Hello, and welcome back to Foss & Company's Tax Credits Today, the podcast that dives into all things tax credits. I am your host, Allison Berry, and today I'm joined by Brian Alprin, Foss & Company's Director of Renewable Energy and Sustainable Technologies. Brian joined Foss & Company in November of 2017 and leads all aspects of the investment origination and asset management process for our renewable energy and sustainability funds. Welcome, Brian. Thanks for joining uh, us on the podcast today. Thank you, Allison. Excited to uh, be here. Great. So today we will be covering the Solar Investment Tax Credit, or ITC. Brian, um, if you want to kind of give a bit of background to kick us off on this program, provide a little bit of high-level overview for us. Yeah, sure. Happy to. Thanks, Allison. So the Solar Investment Tax Credit, or ITC, is an important uh, federal policy mechanism that has been critical to supporting the growth of solar energy in the United States. The ITC was enacted in, in 2006, and since then, the solar industry has grown by more than 10,000%, uh, creating hundreds of thousands of jobs and, and billions of dollars being invested uh, annually into the space. So it's, it's really a, a great success story of a sort of public-private par- partnership in terms of this tax credit and the industry that it's, it's helped promote. Um, mm-hmm. So in terms of the um, types of projects it's, that qualify uh, within solar, it's really any uh, solar project from your you know, uh, small rooftop projects all the way up to large utility-scale power plants that, that can qualify for these tax credits. Great. With ESG investing such a big topic amongst investors right now, how do solar ITCs kind of fit into this conversation? Sure. So w- within ESG, uh, you know, there's it means a number of different things to different investors, but uh, many investors may have certain renewable energy goals in terms of, you know, they're, they're hoping to, let's say it's a corporation that is trying to achieve uh, you know, being 100% renewable by 2030 or, or some, some other uh, target date. In order to do that, uh, you know, they, they, can, they can get what are called solar renewable energy certificates or SRECs that will, uh, they can claim those, those certificates in order to get emissions reductions and sort of get the environmental attributes of a solar project. There's different ways to go about getting SRECs. You know, investors could just go out and, and buy them in the market or, or purchase them through what's called a power purchase agreement, whereby they're, they're purchasing uh, electricity from a, from a project uh, or a solar power plant. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but the, inv- the solar investment tax credit provides, uh, you know, another angle for getting access to those SRECs, whereby an investor... Uh, could provide a tax equity investment to a project, which is a, a critical piece of the capital stack for that project. And in doing so, could gain access to all or part of the SRECs that that, that project is going to produce. So in that way, they could build in a not only a, a financial investment for themselves, but also get access to SRECs that would help them make progress on their renewable energy goals, uh, which, which may be part of their ESG strategy. There, there's also, uh, you know, other other ways that these these tax credits can play into ESG, from you know beyond the obvious uh, environmental benefits. There's also social implications, uh, you know, job creation, the fact that many of these projects are going into rural land that um, you know may have a relatively low tax base uh, in these counties, and we're now paying you know large amounts of property taxes into the future to help 
support the the tax base in those more rural uh, economies. And then there's you know and, uh, beyond sort of the um, job creation and and those uh, indirect benefits to the econ- to the local economies. There's also the actual direct buyers of the electricity, which on some of our projects may be low or moderate income households that are able to realize substantial savings in their you know monthly electricity bill that, that create really uh, direct benefits for those those LMI uh, constituents of these these projects. So we're able to quantify a lot of those sort of social benefits on these these projects as well, which can play into the the ESG mm-hmm. story. I'll just back up a little bit here. Do you want to kind of cover what exactly ESG and an ESG investing is? Yeah, sure. So ESG is really a, a framework through which companies um, can make investments. It stands for environmental, social, and corporate governments. Um, it, it's an approach essentially to evaluating the extent to which an investment uh, would you know, meet those criteria. And so it's, it's a way that corporations can look at beyond just you know, maximizing financial profits, but look at you know, the benefits to all of the stakeholders um, you know, for their organization and, and also look at risks, you know, to their organization, to their investments through that lens of, uh, you know, considering these, these risks that, you know, may have been underrecognized historically, such as, you know, climate risk to supply chains and things like that. Um, so it's, it's become very topical for, for investors. Uh, they're, they're increasingly, you know, putting money into companies that have good ESG performance. So, you know, for the companies that are out there that are looking to improve their ESG ratings and standings in the eyes of shareholders, they're going to be judged based on, you know, the strategies, their ESG strategy and, and, you know, what they're doing to achieve that strategy. And so this, this concept of investing in renewable energy can play a part in that. Um, You know, it is difficult to exactly quantify what, you know, a, a investment in a solar project will translate to in terms of, you know, your ESG rating, because there's so many different ratings out there. Some of them are, are sort of passive ratings where these companies are uh, looking at press releases and other public information. And so if you're very vocal about having made one of these investments, you know, it could get picked up in that and impact your, your, these passive ratings. And then there's also a lot of companies that you can, that will send you questionnaires and you can actually disclose information to them uh, in order to get a rating. And, you know, there's typically sections in those questionnaires related to uh, renewable energy or, you know, capital invested in renewable energy, those types of things. What type of environmental benefits do solar ITCs provide in general? Well, what I would say in terms of the environmental benefits of making a solar ITC investment, there's this concept of additionality where, you know, we want our investment dollars to help promote projects, enable projects that wouldn't have happened if not for us. And so if you are providing um, a solar tax equity investment, which is monetizing those investment tax credits, um, you're providing a piece of the capital stack that is critical for these renewable energy projects that also tends to be one of the most difficult uh, pieces of the financing for them to pull together. So, you know, in a very real way, uh, you know, some of the projects that we're financing through monetizing these solar ITCs uh, would not have happened if not for you know our investment in that project. And so there's an additionality story there that I think is important to understand. Um, and so it's, it's enabling a renewable energy project to, to happen, which ultimately does have 
you know, these positive environmental benefits. And potentially the investor in the tax equity could also be the one to claim those emissions reductions if they are allocated some of those SRECs. Mm-hmm. And so how would all of this kind of fit into maybe the recent conversations around scope one, two, and three emissions and reporting on these emissions? Sure. So scope one emissions are are emissions that result directly from the business activities of the corporation, such as, you know, uh, their company facilities or company vehicles. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, if they are running manufacturing equipment, it's the emissions being directly emitted from from that uh, manufacturing equipment. So in Mm -hmm. terms of being able to offset those scope one emissions, um, you know, you, you, you could, uh, you know, invest in, say, energy efficiency improvements of your facility to, uh, or, or emissions reductions uh, improvements to try to uh, reduce the actual emissions being, you know, produced by your facility. There are, outside of the solar um, conversation, uh, there are also uh, direct um, sort of carbon offset credits that can be uh, purchased or acquired. Uh, FOSS is also heavily involved in carbon capture, 45Q, uh, carbon capture sequestration tax credits, which mm-hmm. some of those projects come with uh, these carbon offsets that can be used to reduce your scope one emissions. Um, scope two emissions are described the indirect um, you know, uh, emissions primarily from purchased electricity, uh, you know, things like, um, you know, if, if a corporation is is um, buying electricity to run its various offices and facilities then the power providers the local utilities have a certain you know carbon footprint based on uh, how they're they're producing that electricity and that would contribute to the the scope two emissions so one you know in order to reduce your scope two emissions you, you could take the step of instead of just buying your electricity from the grid which you know may or may not be uh, you know, entirely clean. You you could be buying your electricity instead from a clean energy source like a renewable energy power plant, uh, and you could do that through uh, you know buying electricity through the PPA. Now, uh, in terms of how the tax credits could could benefit in that situation, as we described, you could also make a tax credit investment in a solar project, uh, and through that investment, negotiate being allocated. Uh, SRECs that could be used to claim emissions reductions without having to buy the electricity. Um, so it would be a way to perhaps at a lower cost get access to that same amount of emissions reductions or be able to get access to emissions reductions in markets where, you know, perhaps you're not in a position to, you know, enter into a renewable energy PPA and, and buy electricity directly. Um, and then the third scope three emissions those are indirect emissions, uh, you know, from a company's suppliers or its customers. Um, so, you know, kind of the classic example is your sort of upstream emissions from all of your your suppliers. You know, the, the sourcing of raw materials, uh, your various you know supply vendors, and, and and the emissions they're producing. Corporations have been grappling with how to reduce their scope three emissions, given that. Uh, you know, they may not have direct control over those, you know, the vendors and those suppliers and, and, you know, what those emissions are. So, you know, are they building into their contracts with these groups requiring them to adopt certain, 
renewable energy, your emissions reductions goals, so that then you know, the corporation itself can make progress on its scope three emissions. Um, there, there are you know, a number of corporations that have been uh, sort of taking leadership roles in how to do that. Uh, it, it is you know perhaps more challenging. But w- one approach in terms of how a tax credit can be used is to um, you know, take a tax credit uh, investment that would also, you know, have some of these SREC or emissions reductions benefits to it and, you know, bring one of your large vendors or suppliers that constitutes, you know, a significant portion of your scope three emissions um, and, and look at sort of partnering with them together on a transaction so that they could, um, you know, in some way also uh, reduce their emissions. Uh, you know, maybe they become, uh, the purchaser of, uh, you know, electricity in that transaction, or they're allocated some amount of the renewable energy certificates that, that allow them to claim emissions reductions. So, you know, you're, you're both entities are, are getting some um, emissions reductions. And, you know, in that way, the investor or, uh, you know, corporation would, would be able to reduce both its scope two and scope three emissions uh, with that type of a transaction. Yeah, that's Really interesting to know how all of that can kind of tie back in. Always leads back to tax credits, right? <laughs> we are on the tax credit podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'd hope so, right? So I know you kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but do you want to provide maybe a little bit more detail on like what type of financial benefits to investors and even to the public that solar ITCs uh, or just solar tax credits provide? Sure. So in terms of the financial benefits to, you know, an investor, let's say a corporate investor that is investing in these to mm-hmm. get the allocated um, investment tax credits. Uh, so, so there are there are some benefits. Obviously, the investment tax credits, you know, are, are allocated to them. And so uh, these solar investment tax credits are a dollar for dollar reduction in your federal tax liability. So it's better than just a, a you know a tax deduction. It's an actual reduction in your federal liability, and you can reduce your federal tax liability by up to seventy five percent using these solar tax credits. I kind of think about it as that corporation is still paying in, so to speak, towards the public good. Um, it, but you know, instead of let's say paying taxes to the government and then having the government write a grant to a solar project, the government is saying. Okay, corporation, go ahead and and just you know invest directly in the solar project because we understand that you know by acting as a private investor, it's going to be more efficient than if the you know if if we if the government collected the, those dollars as taxes and then tried to deploy them as a grant to the project. Um, so it, it it's a way for corporations to reduce their tax liability um, and and sort of have some decision making in in where they're channeling those dollars instead of just paying into you know, the IRS's coffers and not having control over where those dollars go. Um, and then, you know, they, they have an opportunity to also earn a, a positive return on their investment. Um, so the other act, you know, benefits that are allocated to them, typically they're being allocated a large amount of the depreciation benefits associated with these projects. So, you know, this is renewable energy equipment that can have a, uh, you know, accelerated depreciation treatment you could do one year 100% bonus depreciation or five year makers depreciation are some of the, the popular choices to get, you know, accelerated sort of front loaded depreciation benefits that are then largely allocated to that investor. And then in, on top of those, you know, the, the tax credits and the depreciation, which constitute the, the tax benefits, uh, there's also a cash benefit as well. 
the investors typically allocated some amount of annual cash flow derived from the project as, as these you know, solar projects are selling electricity every year, often you know, on long-term fixed contracts. And so there's you know, annual cash flows that are allocated to the investor. And then after the investment period, uh, which is often you know, in a solar tax equity transaction, somewhere in the five to seven year range that an investor will stay in that transaction, after that point, there's also typically a buyout uh, whereby the investor is able to sell its interest, uh, its remaining interest back to the, to the long-term owner of the project or the sponsor. And so they, they get some cash at, at that buyout. So it, it really comprised the, the, the tax credits, the depreciation, and then the cash from the annual distributions and the buyout and exit. Great. So quite a few benefits for investors. Absolutely. And these are, you know, this is also, I think it's important to keep in mind that, that these are, they're, they're realizing these benefits from dollars that, you know, largely would have otherwise just gone to taxes and they would have earned zero on. So I think that's really, you know, mm-hmm. where investors um, get excited is, is being able to earn some kind of a positive yield on, on these dollars that otherwise would have just gone to, to paying taxes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do good while doing well. Absolutely. Okay. So looking towards the future now, what types of trends or policies are you seeing that are going to have a pretty big impact on the solar industry at large? Sure. Well, you know, there was um, a number of, you know, with the the current administration, there there was a number of areas where there was expectation that, you know, there could be benefits to to the renewable energy sector. So, one of those was the Build Back Better Act and a number of tax credit benefit, mm-hmm. you know, new tax credits and extensions and improvements to existing tax credits that were built into that that um, proposed uh, Build Back Better Act. Um, and, you know, that that aspect, I think, although the 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 full Build Back Better Act um, is, you know, perhaps not moving forward. What we've what we've heard is that the renewable energy aspects of it were never really that that controversial and so there may be a smaller version of that bill that goes forward that that um, still has a lot of those, uh, re, you know, sort of tax credits related to renewable energy. Um, and, and so specifically, mm-hmm. you know, the ones I think, uh, you know, some of the, the, the most exciting aspects of that would be for the solar industry would be, uh, you know, the solar investment tax credit would be uh, increased back up to 30 percent, whereas it, it stepped down to 26 percent currently of, of the project costs. So meaning mm-hmm. that. Uh, you know, if, if it costs you $100 to build a project, you, you could get a, a $30 tax credit. And there would also be a you know, long-term extension of the, of the solar investment tax credit, perhaps 10 years, um, which would be great in, you know, in terms of this, this industry. We've often been just a few years away from a step down or a sunsetting of the tax credit. And so to have a, a long-term extension like that would allow, um, you know, the, the industry participants, not only developers, but also, you know, suppliers and manufacturers to make decisions and, mm-hmm. and move forward with confidence on a longer term basis, which would only sort of add efficiency to the industry and help, you know, drive down costs in the industry and, and uh, you know, allow for the industry to, to grow further. There, there's also, you know, talk of uh, what what's, would call be called direct pay, which is an option for um, essentially instead of a tax credit, um, the project could opt to get a uh, cash benefit from directly from the IRS as, as a, a refund on their 
on their taxes when they file. And so that is an, a, an area that we think could benefit a number of projects that maybe have a harder time getting a uh, tax credit investor, such as, you know, smaller projects or more experimental technologies. And there also could, you know, could be use cases on, on some large projects as well, um, where really, you know, uh, it, it could allow for a uh, massive growth in, in not only the solar industry, but in a lot of the other renewable energy technologies that are, that are emerging. And then there's some wholly new tax credits that are being contemplated in there, um, like electric, well, a, a, a um, renewal of the electric vehicle charging infrastructure tax credit, um, which not wholly new, but that would be brought back. And then new credits such as uh, a tax credit for, for standalone battery storage um, that, you know, would be, could be a kind of a game changer in the industry in terms of the proliferation of, of uh, battery storage technology. So there's, there's a lot of uh, exciting things that are built into that, um, that, you know, we, we may see some of that still come through, um, you know, we're cautiously mm-hmm. optimistic there. Um, and, and then, you know, I would say though, that, that, uh, um, I think the, the, you know, focus of the administration, uh, lately though, has been on, you know, we haven't heard as much talk about it. And so it's, it's, you know, to be seen, it seems that the near term priority in terms of upcoming elections is more about addressing rising oil prices. And I think, you know, sort of the, the connection of, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, Mm -hmm. improving, you know, um, improving renewable energy so that we might reduce cost of electricity and then we might get people into more electric cars and that might long-term reduce our, uh, you, you know, the, the, the costs of transportation for folks and reduce our reliance on oil. That's sort of too many steps for a, for a, a political argument, I think. They're, they're looking for, you know, so the political mm-hmm. playbook is how do we just directly get at the issue of, of oil prices right now for the upcoming election. And so um, it's hard to say kind of how much this will be prioritized in the near term. But you know, I think there's still a lot of, um, uh, you know, potential that, that it will be you know, brought back in some form and, and we'll see some of these improvements. Um, but that said, I mean, even without those, I think we're very you know, excited about the, the growth potential within the solar industry. I mean, this is an industry that's been growing at 33% a year for the last decade. And even if that growth rate, you know, were to tail off somewhat, I mean, it still would likely be a, you know, very strong growth rate within the solar industry for the next four or five years, at least. <laughs> yeah, definitely. A lot, a lot going on and seems very promising from every angle. Yeah, and we are. There are some, you know, challenges. I would say, you know, one of the the, the ones that's sort of top of mind right now in the industry um, is around tariffs. Um, you know, but there's there's also been supply chain disruption, labor shortages, you know, other things that are making it challenging to get projects completed and completed, you know, on budget and on time. And so, from our, you know, from our perspective, right. for our investors, it does create some challenges. You know, if they're looking, let's say that they have a you know, uh, sort of a one-time event with a very large tax implication, and they're looking for tax credits that happen, and they really need it to be this year. Um, you know, it, it's becoming more challenging to, uh, you know, source projects that have, you know, a, a, a uh, low risk of, of slipping from one year to the next. If you're, as you're looking at projects in the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. you know, almost every project has some significant risk of slipping from one year to the next. And so it, it's something that, you know, we, we uh, you know, have to put a lot of focus into managing that risk and communicating with investors around it. Um, you know, I mean, one good thing is that you can roll these credits back one year. So if it does slip, you know, there is a path to rolling it back a year to still get that benefit. 
Um, but you know, obviously that's, that's not an ideal situation. So we have to put Mm -hmm. a lot of focus into, uh, trying to understand the timelines and manage those. Right. Definitely. Well, I think that covers quite a lot about solar tax credits and the industry at large. Was there anything else you kind of wanted to touch on while we were chatting? Well, we, we touched a little bit on what, what's coming next. I mean, I, I would just say that solar is the last federal tax credit that's a one-year credit. And so if you're looking for, uh, you know, getting your credits up front in the first year, um, you know, the, so the, well, I should say the Renewable Energy ITC is kind of the last option there. And solar is, you know, in my view, um, one of the best options within that. Um, but, you know, there are some other, uh, you know, emerging tax credits like the carbon capture and sequestration tax credit that are also uh, very exciting. And so, you know, what we work with investors on is, you know, not just uh, investing in any one tax credit, but coming up with, you know, an overall strategy around how, you know, how these different tax credits can be complementary to their strategy, both from a tax and management perspective, mm-hmm. from a you know, profitability perspective, and then from an ESG uh, and strategy perspective. Great. 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 Thanks again for joining me on the podcast today, Brian, and for providing all these valuable insights into solar tax credits in the industry at large. My pleasure, Allison. Thank you for having me. Always excited to talk about solar tax credits. Yeah. Until next time. And that's it for episode two of Foss and Company's Tax Credits Today podcast. Thank you for joining us and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast for more information on Foss and Company and the programs and funds that we provide, go to www.fossandco.com. Mm-hmm.